when I moved to to London, I remember it was six years ago. I I told to myself never complain about the weather, right? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. Until <laughs> until last last April. <laughs> I feel I feel like this year something happened. Maybe the fact that we didn't have spring yet, <laughs> and I'm like I'm complaining every day now. Uh, you know, I was I was also thinking about the fact that I'm studying for my uh, citizenship. Ah, so, right, okay. So is it is it is this a way to actually become English? Like I'm actually getting into the culture of complaining about the weather as well. <laughs> uh, everyone complains about the English. To be fair, I think most people are. Probably used to the English weather. I mean, the other day I saw like it could have been maybe like two or three of the elements within an hour of each other, right? Like it's, yes, it happens all the time. It's just the norm. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the sun is shining. Next minute it's raining, like cats and dogs completely, and the sun is back to shining again. And then just throwing some hailstones for for good measure. <laughs> But um, <laughs> that's just the UK weather, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So what's uh, what's the next thing for me to become fully English apart from <laughs> from complaining about the weather? Oh, I think you, you definitely have Stereotypes. to try. <laughs> you have to, yeah. <laughs> you might have to try um, a full English breakfast if you haven't done that already. But yeah, you're you're you're, you're a vegan, though, aren't you? So that doesn't work. I am. Yeah, that doesn't uh, work. I may, can have vegan yeah. breakfasts. <laughs> you can have a yeah <laughs> vegan <laughs> breakfast exactly. Yeah, but yeah. Well, good <laughs> good luck on your. Uh, on your citizenship and do you Thank have to you. do like a test or something and they asked you about the yeah. landmarks or the landmarks yeah i have to study a book uh yeah have a pass an exam pass an english exam and then some some things like having um i need to i need to have a ceremony um uh, you know sing oh. the national anthem <laughs> nice 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 <laughs> and but, things like that but you have to do it with a napoli football shirt on That's the... oh, yes, that's the idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Best of all, with that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, welcome everyone. <laughs> This is not a podcast on stereotypes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is uh, uh, UX Maturity episode four, and today we are gonna talk about how we learn. I'm your co-host Leo, and I'm your co-host Stephen. Um, so the yeah, it's it's a big topic I think to uncover. Uh, but I was thinking uh, the other day actually I was watching some YouTube videos, <laughs> and there there is a, a YouTuber that I'm that I'm um, following, and he's quite famous in Italy actually. Uh, and he he posts a lot of like weekly videos, um, vlogs, um, and he talks about how he. He got from you know being a, a kid with a with a camera to actually opening a production agency. Wow! So now 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 you know he has his own uh, video production agency with uh, with a lot of uh, uh, collaborators and he does a lot of stuff in uh, in Italy. And you know he, he put he put together this blog, which I I think it was quite inspiring. Um, and it was a, a blog about a vlog about failure and. He pointed out that what we usually see is successes of yeah. others, yeah. and we believe we are not good enough because we kind of we see you know all we see is that you know they put something together, uh, some new content together, and it's a success. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, I, I must do something wrong because all I, all I do is actually <laughs> failures. <laughs> but we don't realize that we, we, what we don't see is also their failures. And, yes. uh, the, you know, the, the guy in the vlog was actually talking about this, like you can't imagine how many times he failed. Um, and he said, you know, it's, it's just a way to learn more and to, to get where, he, where he's at. So, yeah. yeah, what do you think? It's a really interesting one. You know, that's, that's the question, isn't it? Which one is more motivational, successes or failures? Or does it depend on, I guess, depend on um, which stage in your life you're at? It's an interesting question. I think so, for some people, successes, that is the driver for them. They need to see what that end goal is and that's what pushes them on. And for other people, they need to feel like, yeah, it's difficult, but it's okay because other people are going through this as well. You know, like it's, it's fine. So I think it just depends on who you are and where you are in life. Um, and for some people, it's both, you know, both successes and failures. They just want to see the complete process. It's a tough one. I don't think one is um, works better than the other, but I, I completely agree that I guess in the world that we live in, we're just used to seeing people succeed. Yeah. And we, we're not really privy to um, how they did it and the challenges yeah. that they went through. And, you know, the, the countless amount of um, failures or, you know, the sleepless nights. Like, we don't see any of that stuff. We just see the Ferrari or the nice house and we, we just kind of automatically judge ourselves and go, ah, yeah. I'm underachieving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great point. And I think uh, that also uh, um, blocked me a lot in my life, actually. Mm. Comparing myself to others and, and see, you know, they, they, do, they do all these things and they do, they do them really well. Mm -hmm. So it's not worth for me to start something because I'm going, I, I know I'm going to fail. Mm. But actually... Um, thinking about failure as something that inspires you so you know back to your point before I, th I think that's that's what actually motivated me in the end because you know what I'm gonna fail probably actually yeah. you know so maybe I've, I've never done this before so 90% you know maybe even more yeah. I'm, go I'm going to fail but but what's the gain like what is it that I'm learning um, through you know uh, making this thing that you know even even if I'm going to fail uh, the learning aspects of it, I think it's probably the most important thing. I think you're absolutely right. And I've heard, you know, a few people say this and I'm starting to come round to it. And that thing is like failure doesn't really exist, right? Like there's no such thing as you fail. I mean, you've only failed if you don't progress, if you don't continue, if you don't, if you just accept defeat, you know, um, because the reality is you've learned something that you didn't yeah. know two days ago or a month ago or a year ago. You're in a whole different space. That's not failure. That's growth. But because of our idea of success and what we believe success to be, it has a massive impact on what we believe failure to be. You know, so it's a cultural aspect. A hundred percent from, from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I think it's also like media, you know, plays plays a enormous role on that. Yeah. And um, not only not only TV, but also like social media. We see 
<laughs> yeah, I think we need to be more aware of this because if you, if you scroll Instagram, you see a lot of influencers and people like showing off the, the best life and it's quite easy for everyone to, to compare yeah. to them and say, I don't have that, you know, I struggle a lot. But yeah. what we don't see is also the fact that they struggle as well. And, exactly. you know, all, all the things that they go through, we, we're just not aware of it. Exactly. What we see is an end product and it's quite polished and it's not really, uh, it doesn't really uh, match with the reality most of Co the times. Completely, completely agree. I think um, year, years ago I had this manager and she was amazing. Like she, she had an answer for everything. She had a process for everything and it just looked like, you know, there was nothing that she didn't know. And I just used to look at her and I go, wow, like, you know, how do I become as good as, you know, a designer as she is? How do I get to the level where I have the answers for everything? But what you're saying is so true. I wasn't exposed to what it took to get her to that level. And of course, coupled by my limited understanding at the time as well. But yeah, I wasn't exposed to what it took for her to get to that level. You know, the, the failures or the challenges that she had along the way. All I saw was just the finished product. But I guess as you grow and you learn more, then you understand that, you know, it, it takes time, right? It takes time. And a large part of it is also perspective. You know, what you might deem as a failure, somebody might deem as a success, hmm. you know? And um, yeah, but I completely agree. And just kind of bringing it to um, more on the design side. A lot of the times, you know, companies just love oh good design is this good design you know this is the kind of design i want the apple design i want you know i want i want the, <laughs> i want the google you know I, I want to implement the data rams principles i want to do all this stuff but then they don't want to put the work behind it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they like the idea of having this amazing beautiful thing but when they realize the amount of work that goes into it all of a sudden yeah, I'm not even sure we need a researcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true, actually. You know, when, when you when you see all these um, perfect sketches by, by Dieter Rams, like you mentioned him, yeah. you, you, th you think that he was the kind of person who can just sat, uh, sit at the desk and, and just, you know, make all these amazing sketches. But, you know, if, if, you, if you buy his book, actually, and you see all the sketches that never <laughs> saw the light, you, you, you actually realize how much work was there. Like, yeah. you know, it, yeah. was, it was an enormous amount of work. Like, yeah. you know, actually quantity over quality most of the times. Because what, what he wanted to do is to explore all the possible solutions for something yeah. and, uh, until he, you know, converged on, on something that really made sense and then start refining and those are then the sketches that got famous in the end but this what about it. the others exactly <laughs> what happened to the others that i can't you know similar story um i think dyson and i'm not sure if this is true or not but i've heard people say it a few times so i imagine there must be some truth to it but apparently he went through almost i think is either 2000 or 5000 different prototypes before he actually arrived at the vacuum cleaner, um, the one that actually worked, right? And the one that I own, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one that made it to Leo's house. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it's just, it takes, it takes time, you know, it takes process and it takes belief in yourself. And I think we all learn in different ways. And 
that's the thing to be aware of. Because sometimes, like you and I, may learn in different ways, but because you're not learning in the way I'm learning, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not learning. And it's just things that we have to be aware of so we can kind of support each other. You know what I mean? And it happens in the workplace as well. We all learn different ways. Some people learn just by reading a document and that's their thing, right? Other people learn through actually doing, you know, doing the actual exercises, you know? So we have to be aware of how people learn and give them the space to be successful. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Exactly. It's, uh, it's also being aware how you, yeah, how you do it, like what's your process. And um, so if you're based in London, yeah. uh, go to the Barbican <laughs> and <laughs> there, there is the, I uh, just been um, uh, last weekend actually, there is the exposition, uh, exhibition, sorry, of um, uh, Jean Dubuffet, who is a, a brutalist artist. And I really loved his quote. Uh, it's like on the ground floor, there is a, there is a projection of um, recordings, like very rare recordings of um, him talking about his work. Yeah. And at one point he said, I, I'm an amateur and I intend to, to, to stay as, as such. I don't want to gain that pro title. I want to actually stay an amateur because this is the way I can, exp- I can explore more. Yeah. And I don't feel the pressure of producing something who is, uh, which is like a, um, how do you say, um, packaged, you know, yeah. in, in a way that needs to be delivered. I actually yeah. want to explore and, and, and those, you know, the failures, those things that are not conform, yeah. um, conformed with the, with the ideal of beauty in, in yeah. his case, obviously he's an artist, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's not interested in that. He's interested in, in the process and, 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 and the learning behind it. I, th- I thought it was quite inspiring. That is really inspiring. And as you were saying, I was just thinking, how many designers are really allowed to be creative in the workspace? Yeah, very good point. Right? Like, how, how many of us are really... I mean, everyone says it, you know, we're collaborative, we're, you know, we're creative, you know, we explore, we do all this discovery, but... When you really look at it, how many designers feel like, yes, I can be 100%, not even 100%, 80%, 70% creative at work? Yeah. This is what I wanted to ask, actually. How do you create that culture on the workplace, that culture of exploring and failures? Oh, it's, it's a tough question. I think it's, personally, I feel like it's just making people feel comfortable, right? And I, th- I feel like when people are comfortable, they do their best work. Um, in a lot of companies, you can tell, like, people are just not comfortable. They have these crazy deadlines. They have, um, you know, um, unrealistic demands. You know, they are they're expected to deliver, 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 deliver. And some people, of course, there are external pressures as well, right? Like, you're in a job to provide you know, some sort of living for yourself and your family, right? So if you have all these things going on, it's hard, you know, it's hard to to really enjoy what you do. It's really hard to, you know, really explore and come up with the best solution. I know for a fact, if I had been given a few more weeks or a few more months, I could have come up with a much better solution in most of my, you know, um, roles. But the reality is you don't, you don't, you rarely get that, you know, you don't, you don't get the freedom to really explore because now to be creative is expensive. 
you know, in the professional environment, it's very expensive and you need an employer that believes in that process, you know, and the ones that do are more than often rewarded, you know. So I think it's just a shift of mentality, you know, of the mindset. It's, it's a shift of culture. And I think it's just people being brave enough to allow people to be creative. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think... It depends a lot on how other uh, people in the in the organization see you and are comfortable with the design process because yes. the design process is messy by definition. You know, yeah. we, we, we attempted many times to describe a design process yeah. uh, as a linear thing, as a double diamond, now as a th- triple diamond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I've seen recently like double diamonds with other diamonds, you know, yeah. <laughs> on, on the top and on the bottom. We try to rationalize it. The okay. reality, yeah. the reality is that it's a messy process, yeah. and uh, so what happens in in many organizations, I think, uh, from my point of view, that um, people uh, outside the design function sometimes are not comfortable with the uncertainty. Very so true. if you if you go to different directions, if you are working on something that doesn't really look that nice, you know, doesn't really seem like that you're actually solving the problem they want to solve or they're prioritizing they start getting nervous yeah um i would say it's probably because as designers i mean this is where ux maturity comes into play right yeah so if we increase the maturity at the organizational level what what we do is essentially we increase the literacy of people in the organization yeah so if you if you increase the literacy and they understand more about how the design process actually works, yeah, do yeah. I mean, I think personally that it could have a good impact on giving that freedom to designers because yeah, at one point it becomes just part of the process instead of oh scary dark uh, you know situation that it's going on there. We are not sure what they are doing. Uh, we are not comfortable with that. It's actually okay. So this is, you know, the parts of the process and we know what to expect for the future. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, the funny thing is the way I look at, like sometimes I say to people, don't don't follow my example because I'm a very weird, you know, <laughs> designer. <laughs> but the way I look at it, like the, the key difference between like a really good designer and maybe somebody who's just starting out is who's closer to... How do, I, how do I describe it? Like, who's most comfortable in their role? Because the more comfortable you are, the more you're going to flow. So who's more most comfortable in their role? And really seasoned designers, like people who know what they're doing, understand that there isn't a one design process. They adapt when they need to. Sometimes there is no process. Sometimes it's literally, let me just design this and put it out there <laughs> and mm. see, like, this, like, what we do is a combination of being scientific and being creative yeah and sometimes we lose that balance and it ends up being 70 percent scientific and 30 percent creative you know and don't get me wrong there are situations or scenarios where you have to be 70 percent scientific 100 percent, you know but majority of the time i think it's, it's it should be about being creative because that's when all the, that's where all the fun stuff is you know that's where all the the good stuff come from but because we lose the balance we just end up thinking, oh, there's a process, it's linear, we have to follow these steps in order to achieve these results. 
and that's a good design process. But in reality, and I think kids have taught us this, sometimes there is no process, right? It's just, let me just explore and see what comes yep. of it. You know, I, I don't want to follow the double diamond. I just want to explore, <laughs> you know? And I, I don't want to do, you know, I just want to explore and then show it to somebody and see what they think about it. That's what I want to do. But that gets taken away because we're in, like I said, it's very, very expensive to be creative nowadays. And because of that, we have to justify our creativity by doing more of the scientific stuff. Right. Is the, is the scientific stuff um, not creative? There are elements of it that is creative. There are elements of it that is creative, for sure. But I think by the nature of it, science is more one plus one equals two. Okay. Right? Whereas this um, being creative doesn't always equal two. <laughs> one, you know, one plus one can be three. It could be four, you know? Yeah. And I think, although, I think that's although, what it is, yeah. Although, like, if you, if you think about how um, uh, different, uh, different, you know, very influential uh, scientists ha had an impact on the, on the world, just let's take Einstein, mm -hmm. right? It was completely out of the conformity of the of the era, yeah. And you know, it wasn't. It was just thinking about things from from a dis different perspective. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I think that's actually very creative. Yeah, but here's the question, though. So, would you say he was being creative within a scientific environment, or was he applying creativity to a science process? Oh, that's a good question. I think well, I think it wasn't intentional. <laughs> so it was it wasn't like intentional of what kind of approach to take. Yeah. Uh yeah. but I, I think I think it was it was uh I was I think it was applying creativity to the scientific environment. But I think I think so because in uh I mean he he knew he knew how science worked pretty well, you know? Exactly. Uh but it just he added his own twist to it and he started to think about things differently. Yeah. And you know, there there is this story of him actually having a very, very low grade in mathematics mm. at school. Yeah. And, and then in the end he kinda he re rewrote the laws of uh, uh, of science and of yeah. physics. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah, that's also also quite inspiring. So yeah, maybe I mean the yours is a great point, the fact that it, it's a, it's expensive not to follow a process and to be creative. Yeah. But at the same time, what's the gain that you can get by allowing creativity? Yeah. Do you know, I want to I ask you this question. It's a little bit difficult, but what does creativity mean for you? When you hear creativity, what, what does it mean to you? I think creativity is um, finding approaches, different approaches to, to a problem that are not conventional. Yeah not necessarily conventional yeah. we're not talking about having to reinvent the wheel every single time you know yeah. if you're if you're if you're designing an onboarding process and you know that you have to put a button there to go next it's probably <laughs> the best thing to do <laughs> uh but if you're if you're um um don't know looking at a problem uh don't know how people find parking spots in a in a new city yeah. right <laughs> Uh, I think that there could be many other approaches to, to look at. Maybe being creative there would be um, considering different point, points of view, mm -hmm. considering um, aspects of it that are not even close to you know, the driving experience, yeah. applying, applying pre-grest knowledge 
um, to 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 new problems. It's also yeah. I, I think yeah. it's also the way of appri- applying what you know. Yeah. Um. To 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 another to to a new problem. Yeah. 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 What's I mean, your definition? I agree. I agree with what you said. And I, to add to it, I I feel like creativity. Like, it's more like um, being yourself. Like applying free form solutions to everyday problems, and it has it's not bound to design. It's not bound to you know um, visuals or product design. Like it's, it's it just it just is. It's a way of it's just you being you, right? Like you see something doesn't work. It's it's, it's like you know trying to hold a door open and then shoving a the slipper underneath the door. Yeah, that's cre- <laughs> that's creative. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's about I don't know maybe um, trying to squeeze that last bit of toothpaste out and you put some water in there to shake it about and then you know like it's just little things like that and this, these are things that we all do on a regular basis you know and I think sometimes what we try to do we try to bottle creativity and put a label on it that oh it belongs in this industry or it belongs in that industry but the reality is we are all doing creative things every day and I guess what I'm trying to say is that we should be allowed to bring that into the workplace, right? Let just just let people flow, you know. Just let that, just yeah, just let us operate in the way that we're naturally meant to, and hopefully you get the best results. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that you put it that way, I think it's a it's a pretty natural human behavior. Exactly. Like we got we got to this stage of evolution, I think, just because of creativity. Exactly. Like we, you know, we saw that animals were were biting us and killing <laughs> us. So, so maybe let's 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 put a fire up, you know, before going to sleep, and yeah. so so if we could keep them away, yeah. so, you know, from from very very early ages, we we try to find solutions to our problems in order to survive, exactly. or to to have a better outcomes for 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 our lives. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's very important, and some, yeah, sometimes not applied at the workplace. So yeah, we should definitely bring in more. That which actually links um, to to my next point, yeah, and that I wanted to mention is about the fact that I think knowing um, more than knowing actually uh, being in touch with different um, uh, different topics, different words apart from from yours mm-hmm. is massively important for a designer. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes we 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 are very focused on our career and we try to learn everything about design. All yeah. the tools, all the processes, uh, and and just you know feel like we don't know enough. Yeah. But sometimes also you know learning about engineering, learning about I don't know astro- astrology, astrology, astronomy. Yeah. <laughs> I always I always <laughs> confuse the both, but they, I mean they could both be interesting. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, or I don't know uh, you know cooking might be you could you could you know have more knowledge to to apply to your design solutions in the end. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I love to cook. I love to cook, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah? you, what's you your say, What's your best uh, What's your best dish? Oh, a real chef doesn't have a best dish. Come on, Leo. You know this. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I say I, I love to cook, I basically I can I can just feed myself edible food. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> okay. that's that's the main thing. No, but I, I yeah I I completely agree with you. Sometimes we just get bogged down on trying to you know learn all these things and i again 
like I'm not the designer or model because I just have a completely approach to everything, you know, like everything I learned during my undergrad and during my postgrad, it almost goes out the window for me, you know, like because <laughs> when you're in the world, you, you know, you explore new things in a different way and things are done differently. Like, I mean, you, 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 um, <clears throat> you know this, how much of the stuff that you learned at school really applies in the workplace? Oof, 2%. <laughs> and that's you being generous <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so and but sometimes these are things i feel like people need to know it's not just about oh i'm learning this i need to apply it verbatim it's about put your style to it it's a good foundation you know to give you a good starting point okay now what do you think you know challenge yourself to think in that way what do you think what works yeah. what do you think would work and we have the luxury of validation Right, we have the luxury of speaking to users, so why not just go all out? Mm. You know, and I think sometimes this is what limits um, some designers. But yeah, I I, I completely agree. Uh, this is also what's good about career changes. Mm. Uh, you know, the uh, domain swapping, the fact that you are actually bringing new perspective into the work. Yeah, yeah. And I I recently actually made um, a case against. Um, hiring uh, people who came from the same backgrounds because mm. if we are hiring everyone who, who has a degree in a human computer interaction you kind of have always the same point of view and obviously don't get me wrong that's a brilliant course but yeah. the thing is if you're if you're really building a team that can give you different points of view and can give you different approaches to, a, to the same to the same problem yeah or you know to different problems yeah. you might you you need that um the diversity of backgrounds yeah yeah i yeah again i agree i feel like for me as an individual i always want to learn you know i always want to learn from other designers other people just outside. i just love learning in general you know and i think bringing different people with a different mindset or just think in a completely different way they bring a whole new you know um level of solutions to the table and I remember actually when I was, um, my initial degree was architecture. And at the time I was so fixated on being an architect. And I remember talking to one of my lecturers whose friend, good friend, um, had a, a firm. And we got into a conversation and he was saying that basically it's kind of hard for architects to get a job at that particular point in time because they've realized that they need a little bit of, um, they need something different. So they started hiring like more textile designers vehicle designers <laughs> just to bring a completely different element to what it is that you're doing you know and i feel like that in itself it can be so exciting and so challenging in a good way you know so i uh, yeah i agree i agree i think whenever we have the opportunity we should definitely leverage just a different mentality and different ways of doing things so if, if someone comes to you tomorrow yeah uh it's a, it's a designer in your team uh, more junior than you um, and they tell you, I, you know, how do I do it actually? You know, I have a, I have a pretty basic, you know, boring education. No education is boring, by the way, but let's put it that way. This yeah. person is not very self-confident. Mm -hmm. So uh, they, they just tell you, I, I have a degree in design. Now yeah. I'm a designer. How do I, how do I take other, you know, back, um, backgrounds in me? How do I take more... Uh, uh, context on other domains what would you tell them oh travel man 
<laughs> just travel 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 i can't stress that enough man travel meet new people learn a new language Cultures. learn a new culture like it's just just explore you know you can and you can tell the difference between people who have been exposed to multiple you know um things versus those who haven't because their thinking tends to be quite limited and yeah. their solutions tends to be a repetition of what they've always done, you know. But as you explore and explore and explore, you just find new ways of solving existing or new problems, you know. And I think that's a, for me personally, and this may not work for everybody, but for me personally, I feel like that's a really good foundation because what it does is it opens up your mind and it keeps you open minded. So even in a situation whereby it's still fairly local, you can still take in a lot more information than the average person, you know, because you're just open-minded. So I would say explore, maybe not jump on a plane every two minutes and stuff, but just explore. <laughs> that could be the dream, actually. <laughs> yeah, that could be the dream, right? But just explore, you know, just just do as much as you can and see as much as you can, because before without you realizing it, it feeds in, you know, it feeds in and that will come out through your process it will, it will definitely come out it will come out through your rationale it will come out through how you interact and it will come out just through how you see things you know so i would say just try and explore as much as possible a lot of people go to university do a course and then realize ah, oh, maybe this course wasn't for me i should have done something else you know like or come out with a, a degree that they never practice in, in, in that industry and that's why I guess some people will say before you even go to uni, it's probably worth exploring, you know, like they're kind of just trying to understand what you're interested in. If you already know, that's great. Go to uni, do that. Right. But if you don't have an idea, don't just do something that you feel will pay you the most amount of money. You know, just explore because ultimately your happiness is the most important thing. And it starts with exploring. So that's what I'll say. That's my long winded answer. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it's also a way to um, to get out of your bubble because uh, like essentially what you believe reality is is just your perception of what you see yeah um, so it's like all the conclusions that you <clears throat> that you reach through your experience are based on your beliefs really yeah, yeah. Uh, your beliefs are based on an objective reality that mm -hmm. you will never be able to see really <laughs> I like that. so for you yep. you know in uh, in general you perceive your belief uh, your beliefs as the reality but actually when when you when you do the the mind switch and say what i see is actually what i believe it is and mm. not the the objective reality yeah you might you might think oh maybe i can i can see more so i can expand my my breadth of reality and that would yeah. expand my um my series of beliefs based on yeah. what i observe yeah. So I, I I feel like I went a bit more a bit too much theoretical, but no, but it's it, it's, <laughs> thing, it's really good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was uh, really um like going back to what you were saying. Yeah, traveling, for example, is one of my favorite things in life. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've suffered a lot in the, in this in this last year <laughs> because of COVID and uh, couldn't we couldn't really travel much. But that's a brilliant way to. Yeah to see other realities and then you know have a new set of beliefs so exactly. you know you could you could reach the new set of conclusions exactly exactly and with that leo i think we are at time oh uh, yeah <laughs> great <laughs> <laughs> no, i've really enjoyed the conversation as always 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, do, do you know? Yeah, I just realized, you. actually, I just realized that I've been calling you Leo for the longest time. When it's actually not Leo, <laughs> is it? It's Leo. And I've just been calling you. And I actually heard, um, for some strange reason, in the last episode, that's when I just realized like, <laughs> I've been calling him Leo all this time. <laughs> actually, that's even, okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, but even this episode, I was calling you Leo. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I need that's to. Right. I, untrain myself and call you Leo. And, yeah, <laughs> make sure it sticks. Yeah. A bit of, a bit of Italian pronunciation there. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So next time that you cook a good Italian dish, <laughs> you can be you can be prepared <laughs> learning how to pronounce names. <laughs> exactly. What's your what's your favorite Italian dish? Let's let's take it that way. Ooh. Um, that's a very, very good question. Um, what is my favorite Italian dish? I like, um, I like gnocchi. Uh, gnocchi is pretty good. I like gnocchi. <laughs> I like gnocchi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, probably that has to be my favorite, I'd say. Nice. Nice stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Domino's, right. but I knew you'd take offense. To it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would have cut you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> amazing all right on this note i think we can say <laughs> we can say bye to our audience so yeah this was episode four stay tuned uh we we aim to publish every week sometimes we are a bit slower because we are independent but but yeah as always um yeah it's been a pleasure steven and a pleasure. Uh, see you next week see you later bye